We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're talking today about relationships because they are the singular, most powerful, potent, and potentially life-changing experiences that we can have on this planet. And that's not just talking about the primary relationships with a spouse or a partner. All of our relationships have the power to offer us potent information and the potential to change our lives. The truth is we have a relationship with everything else in our lives, with time, with objects, with our emotions, with thoughts, and yes, with other people. But how do we turn these relationships into authentic relationships? How does one have an authentic relationship with time? How can we develop an authentic relationship with that spouse or that partner? So that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to talk about several different ways of thinking about this this thing of relationship. And we're going to talk about the relationships to the different variant aspects of living, like time, objects, space, thoughts, emotions, and potentials. Uh, the first thing we have to do, though, before we can before we can understand relationship, is we have to understand self, especially when we're talking about authentic relationship. Because without an authentic self, we can't have an authentic relationship. So we all have an authentic self. We just don't always consciously live from that origin. Um, we can live from an external base. In other words, we look at ourselves as if we were other people looking at ourselves. We look in the mirror and we go, oh, they wouldn't like that. And we judge ourselves based on what we perceive others would like. That may not even be our thought, but that is very often, way too often, our, our, our unconscious sort of mantra that we have as we look at ourselves in the mirror. We don't define ourselves by what we think. We defined ourselves, uh, define ourselves by the myriad of thoughts we've been handed down by so many other people. And, and, and those thoughts sort of are what we judge ourselves by. So if other people would say that I'm overweight when I look in the mirror, well, then I look at myself in the mirror and say, well, I must be overweight without deciding whether or not I like my body form shape, without deciding whether or not I think it's uh, okay for me to weigh the amount I weigh. Uh, I'm just looking at it through other people's eyes. And unfortunately, we look at lots of things in our lives just exactly that way. And so we're not living from our own internal origin. We're living from an external origin. We're deciding on our lives based on what what our society wants, what our culture wants, beliefs we've in, incorporated and uh, into our lives that aren't really even true for us. 
and yet we be- we act as if we believe them because we haven't ever asked ourselves whether or not we believe them. So we, in terms of having a self, we are a self. We are a uh, a body, a mind, a heart, a soul, all in one unit. And um, that is already there for us. It's already a given. Uh, in order to, uh, for us to activate our conscious awareness of that, we have to start tuning in. And what that means is paying attention to our emotions, paying attention to our thoughts, paying attention to our bodily sensations, um, really trying to actively pursue those things that we desire. And I don't mean some far-off distant dream that we're trying to work on. I'm talking about the things we desire in the very moment that we are in. Um, really paying attention to being present in the moment that we're in, really looking around the room that we're in and taking in the colors and the smells and the tastes and the, and the nuances in the room with, between us and other people and just really being present. People, uh, sometimes call that centered. We're being centered. We're, we're in the center of our being. What I say it means is we're originating from that center instead of originating from someplace else. In, in fact, we can be scattered. We can have, I mean, you know, we just got through watching the Olympics where, uh, Phelps walked away with so many, uh, uh, awards that he's now the most, the bestest all, all world champion. And, and we think that wonderful thing. And certainly I, I'm very proud to say that, uh, I got to watch that just to see it. Um, but, and and we saw so many other Olympians really perform so well, and it's just amazing to see the all the body parts working in sync. And w- if you ask some of them, they would say, yes, I was in the zone when that happened. And what they mean by the zone is that everything is working in the same direction. The body, the mind, the heart, the soul is all working in the same direction. Everything is congruent. And so there's nothing... My arm's not flying over here to the left and my other arm flying over here to the right. And my emotions are not flying over here to the left and my thoughts flying over here to the right. I'm really in sync. Um, and that's, that's what it means to be in the zone. And that's what else it also means to be authentic. So when we want an authentic relationship with something, for, for example, time, what we have to do is get authentic in response to time. So time, um, Einstein uh, and several others have told us that f- t- the only essential reason for time is so that everything won't happen all at once. I love that because it says that we have invented time, and we have. I mean, it doesn't change that the fact that uh, darkness comes and light comes and then darkness comes and then light comes. Um, and it doesn't change the fact that it gets cold at certain times of the year uh, and it gets warm again at certain times of the year and that flowers bloom at certain times of the year and the leaves fall at other times of the year. It doesn't change those facts. Those are inalterable facts, or at least they seem to be at this point. Uh, but, but time is what we have decided upon to regiment our days and to demarcate certain events. And so we, we use time to sort of inform us of what we should be doing right now. So if it's 8 o'clock in the morning, I should be on the way to work or I should already be there. Um, if it's uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, I should be headed toward bed. And you see, we, we formulate these things in our heads based upon what time it is and and we also even regiment our meals accordingly in America we have basically a, a culture that says we eat three meals a day so if it's noon it's time to eat and if you're not eating during that time you might notice that ha- and you don't notice what time it is your body has now gotten regimented to that form that formula and so we 
oh, I'm hungry now. It's uh, it's 12 noon. You look at the clock. Oh, well, of course, I'm hungry. It's 12 o'clock. Whereas if we uh, lived in another culture and maybe an Asian culture, we would eat five, six times a day and, and we might not even experience the hunger pangs. We would just go ahead and eat again because the body said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really ready to eat now. So we have this relationship with time and, and some of us can have a very difficult relationship with time where time pushes us constantly to get ahead, get ahead, get ahead, do it now, do it now, do it now. And we, and we are being abused by our own notion of time. And, and that is a relationship. And so if we can stop and think about that relationship, would we want to be in a partnership with someone who was pushing us constantly to be tense and stressed out and worried about whether or not we we're going to get it all done yesterday? I have to confess that I've had that problem in my own life and I've really had to work on it. And it takes the form of a kind of perfectionist, perfectionism where you, you, you're trying to get somewhere and everything is in the way of you getting there and you're, and you, and you just kind of hurry to get there because you're supposed to be there. And how come you're not there? And it's just this really despicable voice that just kind of takes over your day and runs you. And uh, many, 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 many Americans live that way, unfortunately. And no matter how hard we um, try to live in a, a, phys- a sensation of centeredness, time can throw us off because time is the ultimate, um, you know, it's got the bell ringing. It's supposed to tell us what to do. The alarms are going off. We're supposed to know what to do. But um, if we can live in the realm of centeredness, that we're not coming from time, we're coming from our own center. And that changes our relationship with time. So now I'm having an authentic relationship with time. Time is not running me or abusing me as it has in the past. Time is now uh, just something that goes on in the world. And I, I might look at my clock and say, yes, it's time for me to be at work now, but I'm not going to be pushed uh, to to um, have that head trip, that stressful head trip that says, you should be there now, you should hurry, hurry, and, you know, drive fast and get there now and get all these cars out of the way and run the red lights and all that stuff that says, I'm supposed to be there now. Uh, I don't have to live that way. If I come from my center, I know that I'll get there when I, and when I get there and I'll, it'll be okay because I'm coming from another origin. Now, here's what I'm not saying to all the bosses out there who might be listening. I'm not saying that everybody should show up to work late. I'm just saying that we don't have to let time run us, okay? Um, and, and the same is true with space. What is our relationship with space? Do we find that we run into things all the time or that we feel crowded or that our home does not seem to be a, a, a the space we want it to be? Have we decorated our space according to our authenticity or according to somebody else's notion of what looks good? Um, Very often when I'm working with clients, one of the things that we do is talk about what their home looks like, not because I'm an interior decorator by any means and I have no suggestions for them whatsoever. But what I do mean is that they very often find that when they start becoming authentic, they want to do something different. They want to start occupying their space. And that when they start coming from internal origin, they start saying, oh, okay, now I'm here. I'm really present. So now what do I want my space to look like? 
that's developing an authentic relationship with space. So we, we begin to put up the pictures we want and paint the wall the colors we want and put bookcases where we want them and objects where we want them and little knickknacks where we want them. And, and, you know, it depends on who we are and what we want. And we may go feng shui. We may not. It just depends on who we are and who we, uh, what we want. Um, feng shui, I think, is a way of utilizing space to help us get centered. So it goes from the other way. We're going to make the space something that will center you instead of you coming from your center to create the space. And uh, it can work both ways. It doesn't matter. But either way, you are utilizing a relationship with space to change your mind about you and where you belong in this world. So belonging is very important to us. And in the authentic world, belonging is something we want to do in our space. Um, and we want to stop running into things. <laughs> we want to stop um, racing through time in our cars and our machines that say, um, okay, I'm not only racing through time, I'm racing, racing through space and I'm cutting in and out of cars and I'm cutting in and out of traffic because this is my space and you're in it. Get the heck out of it. You know, expletives deleted there. So, uh, we, we, we want to, um, we want to sort of change that relationship with space to be more authentic is it really authentic for us to go pushing other people around to try to get them out of our way or is it more authentic for us to um, interact with the space that is ours and somebody else's in an interactive capacity that gives room for them to be who they are as well we'll be talking some more about relationship to space and relationships in general we're going to get to what it's like to have an authentic relationship with a partner as well so stay tuned for that The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about authentic relationships and what that means. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. So we're talking about, we were talking just before the break about our relationship to space and we were talking about the space we use on the highway in the morning and we were saying that sometimes we think that our car ought to be first <laughs> and that is a relationship with space. So what does that mean um, when we when we crowd in behind, uh, and you've all seen this, you may have done this, we crowd in behind a um, another car on the freeway and we're, you know, right on their bumper and, you know, anxiously waiting for them to move over into the other lane, if not flashing our lights in their face so that they will hurry up and move over into the other lean lane. That is a relationship with space. It is saying your space is my space. And what I say a lot of times to people on the freeway is when, when they, you know, crowd in in front of me, I always kind of say, well, I'm really glad you got your little 12 feet there. I'm really proud for you. So and what that means is that they've taken what they think is their space away from me. And that's a relationship with space. So what is your relationship with space? Is it authentic? Are you coming from your authentic self when you relate to space? And that's a way to think about it. Um, people talk about road rage all the time. I think it's far more than just being angry because you're going, you're going to be late. I think time is, is part of that. Our relationship to time is part of that. But I think our relationship to space is part of that too. One of the things I began to notice about myself when I was probably in my thirties or forties was that when I got on the road, I wanted to be out, out in front so that I could see. I didn't want other things in front of me. I didn't want a big truck in front of me. I wanted to be out in front, so I would do what I could to get out in front so that I could see. Now, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? It's the thing. Uh, it, but it, it, I have begun to notice that I don't really have to be out in front all the time either. So, um, yeah, so what is that? I needed to see, and that's a part of – I really do think that's a part of my authentic relationship with space, that I really do want to see what's in distance, what's ahead. Um but that wasn't about trying to take something from somebody else. So what does that mean? Um, so our relationship to space is also important. What is our relationship to our own thoughts? What, how do we uh, demand that our thoughts behave according to our wishes? And we, we've talked about this with regard to my book, uh, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, because there there's so many people out there who are still using the old version of the Law of Attraction in which we're supposed to guard our thoughts and make sure we never think any negative thoughts. And if we think those negative thoughts, then we're going to attract really negative things into our lives and, uh-oh, erase that. Let's get that off of there. Let's make sure our thoughts are in better order so that we can attract really good things into our life and that has become almost obsessive um, and that is a, not a healthy relationship to our thoughts and so how can we attract wonderful things if we don't even have a healthy relationship to our own thoughts a healthier relationship to our own thoughts would be 
one in which we allow our thoughts to be what they are because they're just thoughts. They don't, they don't attract negative or positive energy. Thoughts are just thoughts. They come and they go. And how many millions of thoughts we've had over the years that we've been on this planet that never happened and never were going to happen because they were just thoughts. Um, we say our thoughts carry energy. And, uh, I do think that our, uh, our identity carries an energy and, some thoughts go with our identity, but it's our identity that carries an energy so that if I have a, uh, uh, so I, f- I feel guilty and responsible for other people, well, what I'm probably going to attract to me is people who need me to take the blame and to, um, take the responsibility for their lives because I'm putting it out there that that's what I do. So they're, I'm going to attract that kind of people. That doesn't mean that the, that the law of attraction is making that happen. It means that that's a natural order. If, 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 if I'm putting it out there with my body language and my nonverbal communications that this is what I do, people will pick up on that. Um, there was once a study done of psychologists, uh, five or six uh, psychologists who went out into, um, various prison systems and they, uh, took the, with them some videos of people walking and they talked to muggers and they asked those muggers, which of these people would you mug? And, um, not invariably, but very, very frequently, they chose the people with what's called an arrhythmic walk. An arrhythmic walk is a walk with no rhythm. And a walk with no rhythm is very often one that is, uh, done by a person who has a victim identity. Victim identity says, I'm always going to get God. People are bigger than me. I'm always going to get under. I'm going to always be the underdog. They're always going to win. I'm always going to lose. Even if I fight, I'm still going to lose. Um, so that arrhythmic walk told the mugger to, yeah, this is the person I would pick to mug. Well, none of them knew. None of them said, oh, yes, that's an arrhythmic walk. I think I'll get that person. They just knew that that was the person they would pick. And it's, it was an intuitive response. It was it was just that kind of natural thing that we just kind of know. We just kind of know. And how do we just kind of know? Because we all have that capacity to just kind of know. And uh, so the muggers picked the people with the victim identity to mug. And obviously they weren't totally successful muggers or they wouldn't have been in jail. But nonetheless, the point is made that we are sending out energy now. Um what what I'm not saying here is that we are using the law of attraction to attract a bad thing because we have negative thoughts about ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that we we are attracted to uh, and those and by those things, people, places, and events that are going to help us grow. So when we attract somebody who needs to be taken care of, just like dear old mom and dad needed to be taken care of, and that's the identity we developed many many years before, what what the, what we're being offered is yet another opportunity to say, you know what, I need to finish this business. It's unfinished. And here it is again presenting itself to me and I need to finish it. And so we can have that opportunity. So that's what I think the law of attraction does. But, uh, with regard to our thoughts, if we've got a, we've got a, uh, um, relationship with our thoughts that says, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that all the time, then that's a really faulty relationship. How would you like to have somebody else standing over you saying, don't think that thought. Don't think that thought. No, no, no. You cannot think that thought. That's a bad thought. That's going to try bad things. And that person would be considered to be abusive. And yet we do that to ourselves all the time. And, and we call that a good spiritual thing. And I think that's a, that is spiritual abuse. Uh, I'm just going to call it for what I, how I see it here today. I think that's spiritual abuse. It's, a, it's abusing our psyche with a spiritual, uh, supposedly a spiritual law that uh, is supposed to make things happen a certain way. 
And there is a lot of magical thinking there in that. So we need to watch our relationship with our thoughts and make that relationship more authentic by coming from our origins. And that means we don't look at our thoughts as as um, terrible things that have the power to take over our lives and give us either good or bad things. Rather, we look at our thoughts as just the brain doing what it does. It just does this. It's firing off things through the synapses all day, every day, and it just does that. Buddha called it the monkey mind, and we definitely have it. It's All of us have it. Why? Because we have a body and a mind and a soul and, and, and a heart, and we have all these functions, and they're all essential. But if the mind's not, if the brain is not busy with um, doing a task, it will think all kinds of other things. And um, so, so what? That's what it does. Um, we can also have a, a unhealthy relationship with our own emotion. We can be telling ourselves all the time not to feel a certain way. Oh, don't feel that way. You know, he didn't mean it. We make excuses for him and. We don't know whether he meant it or not. We, you know, we're just making assumptions to make ourselves feel better. Whether, but whether he meant it or not is not the point. The point is, it's okay for me to feel what I feel. And again, a feeling is not something that we should be trying to control. What we should be allowing, if there's a should there, is for that feeling to come through us and leave its message. It has a message, and and it's a very important message. And if if we just Back off from it enough to not, to, to just kind of let it be what it is and observe it. What I call in the observer mode, we sort of back off into the observer mode and watch that feeling do what it does. Then we might be able to go, okay, okay, the message here from me, my feelings are giving me information that I can use now to either make a decision or to settle into a more centered place or to do something, maybe improve my health even. So, uh, the, the relationship we have with our emotions is also very important, but many of us have a really difficult emotion and then beat ourselves up for having it. So now we've got a, we're, we're feeling two different things that are really hard. We're having perhaps a grief experience, for example, and then we say, why can't I get over this? And we push ourselves to hurry up and get over it. And, uh, you know, if one of our friends did that to us, we really, really probably be mad at them, but we don't. We're not mad at ourselves. We do it to ourselves all the time. So that's an unhealthy relationship with our emotions. Um, we can also have an unhealthy relationship with our potential. You know, many of us today, particularly in where it comes to this law of attraction, but not just that, with lots of other things, there are so many people out there looking for their dream to come true. And um, one of those big dreams is um, fame and fortune. So many young people today want fame at all costs, and we see on shows like The American Idol that people that really don't have the kind of talent necessary to be uh, a, a big singer will get on there and and sh- perform, thinking and b- having been told that they have great potential, and they believe that they do, and they just don't. And uh, But the reason they believe that they do is because they're using this as a chance to get that big fame and fortune they dream of. And... Um, Singing or, or or playing an instrument is a talent, and 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 we all have a mil- lots and lots of different kinds of talents. But if we're going to utilize those in an authentic way, it should be from joy, not from some mission to get fame and fortune. So, again, an authentic relationship with potential is just to allow that potential to grow into itself, like we would allow a child to 
learn to walk of its own accord. We wouldn't push that child to hurry up and walk and, and hurry up and, you know, achieve and hurry up and talk. I mean, I, I guess there are some people doing that. I, I think that's unhealthy. Um, but I wouldn't want to do that to my child. I would not want to push him to hurry up or her to hurry up and, and grow and be and do and, uh, you know, all the things that, that, that we want children eventually to get to. I want them to do this in their own space, in their own time, in their own way, because that is authentic. Um, so when we're, when we're pushing ourselves into our potential, when we're striving after that potential and saying, how come I don't have it yet? How come I'm not there yet? And wherever there is in our imagination, what we're doing is developing an unhealthy relationship with our potential. So you see, there's a, there's a me in here. And whatever me is, or however I define that, is relating to everything else in my life, both internal and external. And I, I you know, definitely have a relationship with money, and, and we can talk about that some more in a few minutes as well. But each one of these things is is an external or an internal way of living life. It is not the me that I am. I am a, a beingness, and my beingness uh, is what relates to all these things. So... Uh, it is not that I am my thoughts or I am my emotions. I'm not. They are part of what I am doing here, but it is not who I am. And when we identify with those things, we're developing an unhealthy relationship th- with them. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. and we're, we're going to talk in this next segment about um, how, authentic relationships with partners and spouses. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we said we would talk uh, in this segment about uh, authentic relationships with spouses and partners, and we are going to get there. Uh, we'll spend about uh, 15 minutes talking about that in just a few minutes. But uh, I want to talk about our relationship with money first because that's a biggie. Um, our relationship with money needs to be authentic if we are to be able to uh, u- utilize money for the tool that it is. And that is all that it is. It is a tool to accomplish something. You know, I, I when I'm um, teaching groups and, and working with um, corporate environments, very often I'll ask, well, what do you want? Uh, you know, if I could give you anything in the world that you want, what would it be? And nine times out of ten, I get at least about ten people that say, I want to win the lottery. And I ask them, okay, let's say you win, say, $50,000, uh, $50 million, excuse me, $50,000 would not go very far for a lot of people, uh, $50 million, and you, uh, so you, what are you going to do with that? And they tell me they're going to go take care of their kids, or they're going to, you know, pay their bills and pay off their debts and buy a new house and la, 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 la. They're going to do lots of things. And I go, okay, what, after you've done all that now, what do you have? And what they generally say is, I have peace of mind. And I say, that's what you really wanted. The money is just what you think is going to get you there, and so we we've attached all kinds of of, of uh, personal, emotional responses to money. Money gives us these things, and nothing else will give us these things. And that's the way we've begun to think, and that's a really dangerous way to think, because then when it doesn't come, we say, "Okay, well, I guess I can't be happy." You know, we 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 just kind of settle into this routine mundane life well i don't have the things all those other people have so i'm not as happy as they are and so to that to whatever degree we believe that that's the degree to which our happiness is diminished and so if uh, if we can develop a healthy more authentic relationship with money it is to see money for exactly what it is it is a tool period that's all it is and uh, when uh, it is a tool to accomplish some things, it is a tool for using to buy food and things like that. But it is a commodity of trade, period. That's what it is. We started off centuries ago at bartering beads for furs and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we would barter. And um, many of the uh, tribes of the world bar- bartered up until 200, 300 years ago. Um, but money started a long time ago, and uh, it became the tool of barter. So I want a loaf of bread. I'll go pay the grocery store a certain amount of money to get that loaf of bread. Um, and that's the way we do it now. So if I was bartering, I might say, well, I want a loaf of bread. I'm going to take this kite, and I'll trade it for a loaf of bread or whatever else. Um, and uh, And I would still get the loaf of bread. So money is just that. It is a tool for bartering the end of subject. And people who hoard it, and we have a lot of people on this planet who hoard money. You know, we've seen these TV shows about hoarders who hoard, hoard things. And they they fill their houses up with newspapers and boxes and old tools and old gadgets and things like that. Well, we can do that with money, too. There are lots and lots of people out there who are earning unbelievable sums of money. I just saw an article in a, a local newspaper today that was talking about somebody that was earning $8 million a year. And and yet, when I look at that, I think of starving people all over the world who don't have a penny of that money. And I don't know whether this person is donating to some kind of charity or not. I don't know. It's none of my business. But what I am saying is that if we were to take the vast sums of money uh, that is being hoarded by certain people in our world 
and and be able to spread that out some, then our world would not have starving people in it. But because we have said money is the end-all and be-all, we have people hoarding it and other people doing without it. And that is an unhealthy collective relationship with money. It is not an authentic relationship with money. So in order for us as individuals to have a healthy relationship with money, we need to begin to see it as just a tool. And that's all, just barter. And uh, one of the ways that I think we can begin to see um, money in its more healthy perspective is to not put our trust in money, but to put our trust in the divine to take care of us, to seek first the kingdom of heaven and all that is therein and all that other stuff will be added unto us so that we, you know, those are the words of Jesus, but there's words in the Bhagavad Gita that match them and words in many of the other um, sacred texts that match those that, that say that, you know, when we put our trust in that tool, we're not really going to be able to attain that. But when we put our trust in the divine to take care of us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The I am that I am is the, is my shepherd and I shall not want. So that is within me and it's already taken care of. And I don't have to worry about money because it'll come uh, as I live my life because that's how it is. I'm being taken care of. That is a much more authentic relationship with money uh, instead of trying to strive after it to get it to take care of us because it doesn't really take care of us. We can only hoard it and then we feel a little safe. So, okay, so that's money. We've talked about all the different relationships. Now, how do you have a different relationship, uh, an authentic relationship with a person who's got their own stuff, their own agendas, their own inauthentic or authentic relationships with time, space, thoughts, emotions, potentials, and money? Um, how do we have a relationship with another person who's just got their stuff that we can't control? <laughs> that's the big deal. We, the biggest problem with uh, relationships is that we tend to believe that the other person should be thinking as we're thinking, should be feeling as we're feeling, should be in the mood we're in even sometimes, should have the same relationship with time, potentials, money, emotions, thoughts that we do. And uh, if they don't, then they're wrong and we're right. And why can't they get it together? And and I can't tell you how many people who have sat on the sofas in my office in relationships, whether they're gay and lesbian relationships or uh, heterosexual relationships, all kind of partnerships, whether they're live-in or dating or whatever, um, that's the same issue. That issue comes up and says, I'm right and you're wrong. And if you would just manage your life like I manage my life, then everything would be fine. Um, and certainly we do need to have some compatibility. We do, we, that is essential to a good, a long-term committed relationship. We have to, there, ha, there has to be some compatibility in terms of values and interests. But that doesn't mean that they have to like the same movies you like or, or that you both have to like hot dogs or, you know, what it does mean is that the deepest things, the things that really, really matter to you, all, equally matter to that other person. Or at least matter enough so that they can respect that they matter to you. Or vice versa. Um, so that what we're talking about here is that um, if I'm somebody who is really involved in rescuing animals, I'm probably not going to need to be with a partner who hates animals. Um, my heart is in there. And if that person hates animals, then my heart is going to get kicked every time that person feels and acts as he does so or she does. So um, compatibility is important in terms of values. But uh, what's also important is authenticity. By authenticity, what I mean is that we are relating from our own internal centeredness, our own authentic origin 
the authentic self to that other person and uh, anticipating that they will do the same. So what we need to be looking for in relationship, the first step in finding an authentic relationship is picking an authentic partner. And nobody's 100% authentic, okay? I've been working on being authentic for many years now, and I'm not 100% authentic. Nobody is. But I, I do think, and, and I don't see authenticity as perfection either. Authenticity is just being real. But there are times when I'm not real, and there are times when every one of us isn't real, and I can catch myself in the act of that and, and kind of self-correct. But um, So we, we, do, we will have that. So I'm not saying pick out somebody who's just 100% got, that, got it all together, but I am saying that if this person has the capacity to own their own stuff, so what that means is we're picking a partner who can say, yes, this belongs to me, these emotions are mine, I'm angry. You haven't made me angry. I'm unhappy. You, it's not your job to make me happy. These are my emotions. I own them. They belong to me and I'm going to process through them because they have a message for me. Um, that is an authentic relationship. That person has an authentic relationship with their own emotions. And if they do, then they will also authentically relate to your emotions. And that doesn't mean they will pick them up and carry them and fix them for you. That means that they will recognize that it's your job to take care of that. And they will sit beside you and be present with you as you do that. And you might be able to talk with them about what you're experiencing. And they might be able to give you feedback, but they can't fix it for you. They can't change it for you. So... um so that's a big deal. How we handle emotions is a big deal. Uh, how we, uh, how that person relates to us in terms of respect for our space, our boundaries, our money, our time, our, um, our own potential, our dreams. How does that person relate? Is that person criticizing us fairly constantly, blaming us for their own unhappiness, uh, really, uh, disallowing our own space, or are they giving us plenty of room to be ourselves and to make our own relationship with space and time and money and potential and all those other things so that they trust our process to become more and more authentic and we trust theirs. That is the beginning of an authentic relationship, picking someone who knows how to own their own stuff and process through it in a, in a way that says, okay, I'm, I'm going to see where this leads me. I've got this emotion and I'm going to let it be what it is and I'm going to see where it leads me. I'm going to see what it gives me. Uh, I'm not going to get angry and then go punch somebody's lights out and take that as its leadership, but rather I'm just going to let that anger be there and see what the message is. What is it that anger is telling me about me, not what is it telling me about somebody else? And that often is the relationship we have with that particular emotion. We say that it's, it's, uh, it means that that other person should act better because we're angry and that other person should act better and therefore we'll feel better. <laughs> um, it doesn't work that way. That's not what anger's for. So, um, so it, you know, but anger ha- does have a use. And if, I, if I'm angry or I've got a partner who's angry, then we need to allow that and, and give that space to, to give, leave its message. I mean, if my partner's angry and I'm telling my partner now, no, you should not be angry that you just stop being angry because I'm not in the mood to hear it, then what I'm doing is is truncating uh, my own ability to be present with that person and that other person is not receiving from me the res- authentic support that is essential to relationships. So, so again, the first step is picking out somebody who knows how to be authentic and own their own stuff. The second step is relating authentically to them. 
That means that when, when something happens, like let's say it's a problem, uh, a minor problem, let's make it minor because we don't want to uh, make it too complex, but uh, say that uh, he or she was supposed to take out the garbage and they didn't take it out and now we've got this overflowing garbage can and, and we have to wait three days for the garbage men to come pick it up, right? So you come home from work and you see that garbage uh, thing overflowing in your garage or in your on the front, you know, stoop wherever it's at, and you and you get mad. You get mad at your partner because they didn't do their part, and uh, and you're really mad about that. So how do you do that authentically? And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back right after the break. So t- stay tuned for that. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're talking today about authentic relationships, and we've talked about a relationship that we have the time, objects, space, thoughts, emotions, potentials, and money. And now we're talking about what it's like to have an authentic relationship with a spouse or a partner. Um, and uh, what we said just before the break was that we, we were setting up a scenario where someone would uh, had not emptied the trash can, and you come home at night, and you're really tired, and you and uh, you see this garbage can overflowing, and you're aggravated because you've got to... 
wait a couple of days before the garbage man can come. And you know that there are other trash cans in the house that are full and you just are aggravated that you, and you know, so the first thing that, uh, in an authentic response would be, of course, the inauthentic response would be go in the house and, you know, say, how come you didn't into the trash can? La, 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 la. And it's all your fault and getting a big argument about it. And an authentic response would be first to say, well, okay, what's really going on inside of me? Um, and the first thing might be to recognize that I'm tired and therefore probably a little bit more irritable. And, uh, you know, I, I really would have liked it if this trash can had been empty. I don't like looking at it. I don't want to think about it. And, and now this person has not taken care of me as I thought I should have been taken care of by, by making sure that I came home to see an empty trash can or at least that it was out on the street ready to be picked up. So, uh, you know, I and and then, okay, what does it mean that they didn't take care of me? How, how am I interpreting that? Does that mean that they, I they're irresponsible? Does that mean I think that they that they don't care about me? What does that mean? So, you know, there's a little internal process that goes on there. That sounds like a lot of work to somebody who hasn't done it very often, but it really just is a, a little internal process. It takes less energy than the internal process that says, ah, I can't believe that they didn't take the trash can out. Let's go have a fight, and you're already tired, and why would you? want to spend your energy doing that um so it actually takes less energy to to sort of process through this internally and just gently say okay what's really going on inside of me then by the time you get in you sort of process that a little bit and you can say to your partner you know i came home and i saw the trash can and i got really angry and i i know that part of that's that i'm really tired and i would just love it if you had taken care of me in that way and fixed that for me and made that okay so i didn't even have to think about it uh, and then the partner can say, yeah, you know, I, I was really tired this morning too and I didn't take care of that and, you know, I wish I could have taken care of you like you wanted to be taken care of, but I didn't because I was busy taking care of myself. And there you go. There's the end of that. Um, and then, you know, there that's two authentic people relating. Now, very often we get uh, one person who's trying to be authentic and another person who's not not doing that. I very often see people who come into therapy and they're really working hard on themselves and they go home every day to a person who's not working hard on themselves and they're not really trying to be authentic and they're not trying to uh, understand themselves on a deeper level. So uh, they go home and they say the same thing. You know, I've, I've looked at my anger and I've realized that I'm just kind of irritable, but I really would have liked it if you could have just taken care of that for me. It would have made me feel better. I would have thought, you know, I would have felt a little better had I seen that. You know, and then the other person might go, well, you know, I'm not your caretaker and you're not supposed to need, need me to take fix all this for you. And I didn't have time. And how can you ask me to do this? And I've got all this other stuff going on and la, 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 la. Who knows what they'll say? I'm making this up. But the point is they might not get, they might get flack instead of an authentic response. So in that case, then what do you do? How do you begin to say, you know, okay, can we make this a little bit more authentic? And we do that basically by saying it would have helped me. If you could have responded to me by just recognizing that I felt this, I'm not blaming you. I felt it, and I wanted to share that with you. And uh, and and you you put it out there. You ask for what you need, and you may or may not get it, but you certainly have the right to ask. And certainly, if if the relationship continues to be one that is inauthentic and unsatisfying in many ways, certainly I I would say that there's a possibility that you may ultimately. You need to leave that relationship to find something more genuine for yourself. Um, but uh, we formulate authentic relationships in the same way we formulate everything else that is authentic in our lives. We do it with intentionality. 
We do it by, by really committing ourselves to really working on uh, being more attuned to our own beingness so that we are um, more aware, more conscious of what's going on inside of us. Um, we, we swim in the depths of ourselves instead of trying to just stay on the outside where we can notice what other people think and feel and try to please them. Um, so much of our, our energy goes with trying to make sure everybody else around us likes us. And that is a form of pleasing. We, we're trying to be pleasant and attractive and, uh, all that they need us to be so that we can, so that they can like us because that, that liking us makes it feel like we belong. But actually we belong to ourselves first. And if we've left ourselves behind in order to, uh, to try to be what somebody else needs us to be, what we're doing is absenting ourselves and and trying to relate to someone else and that means that there's only one person in that relationship and it isn't us if we're absent then we're not there and the other person may or may not be there but we're not for sure so so authentic relationships are not formed from trying to make someone else happy or help someone else or fix someone else or control someone else as a matter of fact authentic relationships are not focused first on someone else and that's an odd thing to say. We don't tend to think in those terms, but our, if we're coming from our origins or if we are, we are acting on our lives based on what is within us first and not acting on our lives based on what is external to us first, then we, we generate truth. We generate a, an authentic dynamic and the other person gets to respond to that however they choose. Um, and then we get to decide what we're going to do about that. We're, we're not here to, to make everybody else happy. That's their job. And unfortunately, we ha- have come from a culture where, uh, you know, uh, probably global to some extent culture where, where making sure other people are okay with us is primary. And, um, and if they're okay with us, they're happy and, and we're happier because they are pleased with us and, and they like us and then we're okay. Um, and yet we're emptying ourselves out in that process. And certainly I like to be liked just like anybody else does. I'm not saying we should set ourselves up to be hated either, but I am saying that, um, uh, those people that are really our people are going to love us no matter what we do. And those people who are not our people are not going to love us no matter what we do. There are people that we are meant to relate to in this life. And by meant to, I mean that our authenticity really does resonate with them. And there are other people who will be on other tiers in our lives. Perhaps we will know them um, in a less intimate way. Perhaps we will um, interact with them at work but not really have any more of a, of a relationship with them than that. Um, that doesn't have to mean it's any less authentic but it certainly isn't a primary relationship so um or we may not be able to relate to them at all there are millions of people all over this earth i don't even know (laughs) and they don't know me either and they're not even listening to this radio show so uh they those people are not my people if they were i would know them and they would know me and so I, i can only have what's mine and uh, I can't have what isn't mine. And, and I, I so believe that because my authenticity says that what is mine is, is already there. It's already within me to have. 
Um, and that's why I, I, I love that Old Testament verse in Psalms 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because the Lord, which is I am that I am, which is my own divine self, has already supplied everything I want and need. And so uh, there's another verse that says the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Yes, they are. And because they're, if they're mine, they're mine. Uh, and if they're the divines, they're also mine in that sense that I am the divine. But, but I may not know those cattle. And while I may be one with those cattle, I don't consciously know them. So I need to be able to live in this, in this sense of myself as coming from my own origin and come at my life from that origin, come at my relationships from that origin. And it's just another place to come from rather than from the external uh, world, its judgments. So we've talked about that for today, authentic relationships. Next week we're going to be talking about finding your own voice, a uh, very interesting method of going about learning to be in yourself. So we'll be talking about that next week. Stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.